Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Third base, the deepest position ever. Maybe? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today, and I encourage you to take this time to give yourself a pat on the back, because you've made it halfway through the wildest year that I have ever lived through. Today is our third base preview, 2.0, but more importantly, it is July 1st, which means a few things. First, players will be reporting to their respective teams today. Plus, we're 22 to two days away from opening day. It would help if I knew how to speak. Uh, second, happy Canada Day to our supporters up north, and... Last but not least, guys, happy Bobby Bonilla Day. It's very relevant because he played 957 games at third base, which is more than any other position. Are we still doing the Bobby Bonilla thing? Is is that still a thing? Uh, yeah, every year. That's like a, every single sports outlet has a yearly Bobby Bonilla post that they push out there and get a few thousand, a uh, couple dozen thousand page views. It's great. It's great fun for everybody. Um if you were to rank the five weirdest years of your time alive for like the earth as a whole, it would be some combination of the last five years, right? Like maybe that's just recency bias, but like feels like things have just been weird nonstop. And this is the pinnacle, hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, based on the way that it's trending, that means things are only going to get weirder the further we yeah. go, Chris. So. Uh, not, I, I'm going to choose not to think about that right now and <laughs> hopefully think about something a little bit better, which is the third base position. Scott, how are you doing? You know, if you watch us on our Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube page, you'll notice that Scott is wearing a fantastic throwback Florida Marlins hat today. What's going on, Scott? I'm not even the Marlins fan here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tragedy that the Marlins ever changed from this uniform. Now, they do have an <sighs> F in the middle of the fish for Florida. So obviously moving, becoming rebranding as the Miami Marlins, there had to be some degree of change, but those, those original Marlins uniforms, they're just, I, they're great. They're Chris, so much fun. You can't, you I can't love, I love the sleeveless. That. I love the teal stripes. The rest of it was a little too, like we're trying to be the Yankees for me. And also like, I don't have that much nostalgia for this old Marlins logo. Cause like, it's an F and then like a dead-eyed fish. Like a photorealistic depiction of like a dead fish. I just I, I don't I don't love that as a as a team logo. You know, Is give it me dead? like a, I've never seen it as dead. I, I think mean, it's alive. It's, fish always kind of look dead. It's not in the water. That's fair. Uh, I mean the Marlins logo now is not 
No, great. I don't like this. But give me like a give me like a cartoon Marlin with like an angry face holding a bat. That's the kind of logo I, want. I can get behind that too. I will I'm say not, of I'm all the, the cartoon logos of all oh. the logos they've had, the OG one is the best. Yeah, but that's setting yeah, the bar I, pretty low. Yeah, I will agree because <laughs> everything else looks like like the the first Miami Marlins logo looked like a like like a bus logo. Like a, like for some kind of like municipal bus authority, and then the new one looks like it took twelve minutes to design, and it like it's just I, I don't like I don't like it. But I, I also think the old look a little overrated. Nostalgia is not all that important. Yeah, we it's probably dead fish have spent two more minutes than we should have on the Marlins <laughs> logo here. But I, I started the show off with the question, is third base really the deepest position? And the reason I ask is because lots of third base eligible players are also eligible at other positions. So let's assume, just assume, Alex Bregman, Chris Bryant, DJ LeMahieu, Manny Machado, Max Muncy, Jeff McNeil, Eduardo Escobar, Mike Moustakis, Miguel Sano, and Yuli Gurriel are used at their other positions where they have eligibility. That would mean your top 10 in ADP at third base would be Nolan Arenado, Jose Ramirez, Anthony Rendon, Rafael Devers, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Yoan Moncada, Eugenio Suarez, Matt Chapman, Josh Donaldson, and Justin Turner. How would you feel about that, Scott? That sounds pretty good. It's still pretty damn good. (laughs) For a top 10, taking them out. No, this is... I've been doing this for a pretty long time now. I like to say that, but it's it's also true. Uh, this is the deepest I can remember any position being. It, it Oof, is spicy. It is. You almost have to try not to draft multiple third basemen. It's it's very easy to come out of a draft with three. And in fact, you could put together a an entire head to head lineup with players who are eligible at third base. Now, not a, excluding catcher. Okay, you exclude the catcher, and you might have to strain a little bit for that third outfield spot uh but you could do it you could just build a team of third basemen just there's that much talent here and um yeah it makes it, it it's 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 not a position that i find myself consciously waiting on even still because i just recognize yeah i'm gonna have to play some of these players at other spots if i do get a chance to take uh, more than one of them. It, it's just something you have to to recognize. It's very likely you're going to come out of the draft with more than one third base eligible player, and um, and it, just just you know, make sure you leave enough openings for that. I guess it's not a guarantee that you won't use Alex Bregman or uh, DJ LeMayhew at third base. Like you may use Bregman as shortstop, although I, I would argue. You know, at the top level, shortstop is also you know, possibly just as deep. Great. I think both <laughs> positions have 15 eligible players being drafted currently within the top 100 on uh, Fantasy Pros. I, I believe third base is 16. Yeah, Michael uh, Stock is just inside the top 100 at 97. Uh, okay, yeah. So yeah, it's it's one. Um, I looked this up earlier. Shortstop has 15 inside the top 100, and third base has 16. And so, like, you probably want to use DJ LeMahieu at, at second base, but it's not a guarantee. You probably want to use uh, Max Muncy at second base. But otherwise, you know, you may use Bregman at, at third. You may use Machado at third. It's, it's, we're not at a point anymore where shortstop is noticeably weaker than third base, at least, you know, among that 
yeah. top like 15 or so. I think for, for like the first half of a draft. Yeah. Where third base, you know, does start to stand out from shortstop, I think is when you get into that 20 to 30 range at the position and you've still got, this is another position where I think you can go 30 deep before you would feel uncomfortable you know, in ADP, 30 deep going down to Luis Arias at, at 233.2. I think that's the last guy who, if I had him in my starting lineup, I would, wouldn't be looking to replace him. After that, you know, you got Michael Chavis and Starlin Castro and guys like that, where it's like, yeah, you, you probably don't need those guys in your lineup, but there's still 30 players who you could reasonably start uh, is pretty good. So let me ask you this, Scott. This position is extremely deep. <laughs> yeah, you, Scott. That's right. I'm yeah, talking sounded, to you. Uh, um, which third baseman do you find yourself drafting most often? That's a, that's a tough question to answer because I have gotten a lot of these guys a lot of times. Um, it's I I think it's technically Bregman. Um, well, I don't know. If you want to go down as far as J.D. Davis, it's certainly J.D. Davis, who, of course, I've talked about a lot as a sleeper, basically every chance I get. And sometimes I draft him as an outfielder, not a third baseman. But sometimes he has been a third baseman or corner outfielder again. Uh, again, that didn't make sense what I said. But, yeah, no, I'll, it, if you don't want to go that deep, it's it's probably Bregman, actually. He's somebody I am uh, – it seems like I'm higher on than the consensus. And if he's there – late in the first round or early in the second, I'm always taking him, always. I don't let him slip beyond that point because I think beyond the uh, the top five hitters that we always talk about, Trout, Acuna, Yelich, Bellinger, Betts, uh, I, I think Bregman is the next best and is, is probably closer to being in that group than he gets credit for. Uh, you know, I also I also rank Trey Turner ahead of him in Roto because of the scarcity of steals. But you know, just in terms of what he does, what he brings to the table as a hitter, Bregman is is right up there for me. Scott Bregman was the highest scoring hitter in points leagues last year, and he averaged four point two fantasy points per game, which was fourth best behind only Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, and Anthony Rendon. How early would you take Alex Bregman in a head to head points league? Head-to-head points, I actually put him ahead of Acuna, even, and and obviously he's ahead of Trey Turner, where there's not that uh, that need to strain for stolen bases. So, in a points league, I think I have him, I have Garrett Cole ahead of him, but I think I have him sixth overall. So, behind those other four hitters, uh, Trout, Yelich, Bellinger, Betts, and Garrett Cole. The guy knows his rankings. I will say that you are correct. You have Alex Bregman sixth overall in your top 300 in head-to-head points leagues. Chris, who do you find yourself drafting most at the third base position? I think it's easier for me to say who I don't draft at a third base. Like Scott, you know, it, it's a lot of variety. There, there. I don't know if there's one guy that I can point to and say I draft the most. Um, like really, even going through it, I'm, I'm trying. Like, it's probably Justin Turner but that's usually not as a third baseman. That's usually as a corner infielder or utility. Um, but among those like starting caliber guys, it's a lot easier for me to say I haven't drafted Manny Machado or Chris Bryant this year than it is for me to specifically say which one I've drafted the most. 
And we're going to get into some of those guys a little bit later on. Machado and Bryant in a very interesting tier in terms of ADP going in that round four, round five range. Let's start off with some of this ADP review. We've already talked about Alex Bregman, who has an ADP in the first round. According to Fantasy Pros, 11.4. Only one third baseman is going ahead of him. That would be Nolan Arenado, who's going 10.4 in ADP round two. You see Jose Ramirez, 18.6. And Anthony Rendon, 19.8 are their respective ADPs. And then Rafael Devers at the 2-3 turn is going off the board at pick 25. Scott, who would you take between Alex Bregman and Nolan Arenado in a Roto League? That is something I've wrestled with going back to October. Um, I do think it's easy in a points league because... Bregman has a walks advantage there, but in a roto league, you know, part of me wonders still if Nolan Arenado is going to get traded. Uh, It seems unlikely, of course, given everything else teams are having to deal with right now, but it is, it is possible. And that was a big storyline heading into spring training because of some things he said about the organization, even though he signed a long-term deal there, didn't sound like he was satisfied with the way they were doing things. Uh, and, and obviously that would have an impact on his value. But if you're just if you're just summing it up, the five standard uh, categories for rotisserie, I think Arenado has the slight edge there. He's just been so consistent, um, and obviously with the the plate discipline advantage that Bregman has, you, you don't you don't gain that there. I think I think Arenado is a safer source for home runs. I think he's proven to be a safer source for batting average, even though that's probably a closer call. And uh, yeah, I would say Arenado has a slight advantage there if you're not factoring in the possibility of him getting traded. And if you're not factoring in the dual eligibility, which of course does come in handy, uh, even, even if you don't know it at the time you take Bregman, it could come in handy later on. Arenado's average offensive line over the past five seasons, a 300 batting average, 40 home runs, 104 runs scored, and 124 RBI, only three steals. He will not give you anything in the steals categories. But if you're just talking about a pure four-category contributor, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who contributes more in those categories specifically than Nolan Arenado. I guess in Roto, if you think Bregman can bounce back with the steals... That might be something that you want to consider. In this That's group, true. Chris, Jose Ramirez, very uh, polarizing player. Let's call him that. His first 80 games last year, he was hitting 215 with five homers and 18 steals. I remember at the time, I drafted him in the first round, the top three pick in a Roto League. I proclaimed he's a bust. It, there's, there's just no coming back from this for Jose Ramirez. Well... Jose Ramirez must have been reading my Twitter because July 1st on, 49 games, he hit 321, 18 homers, 36 runs scored, 53 RBI, only six steals. That pace, over 155 games, 57 home runs, 168 RBI is what Jose Ramirez did. Would you? Can you argue that he should be the first third baseman taken in Roto Leagues over Bregman and Arenado? Yeah, you can definitely argue it. It was... Is it something cons- you would do? It was the consensus a year ago. No, it's not something I would do, but I would say I probably draft him more than Arenado this year. Um, you know, I, I like the the range where he's going a little more. If I can get him with like the sixth pick of the the second round, that feels like really great value, especially, I mean, he's really good in both uh, formats when he's going right, but especially in a Roto league where you talk about, you know, a guy who has 30-30 pace potential. Um, 
And in, in the case of like his struggles last season, you know, I think it was his agent who actually talked pretty openly about what happened. And it was basically that he was getting shifted. You know, he bat switch switch. He is a switch hitter, but when he was hitting from the left side, he was getting shifted a lot because he is a, a very much a pull hitter from that side of the plate. Uh, he was intentionally trying to avoid the shift, trying to hit the ball the other way. And what that was leading to was, you know, weaker contact overall, but also, you know, trying to get out in front of the ball, I guess, to, to hit it the other way. He was just creating weaker contact. And when he was putting it in the air, it tended to just be these lazy fly balls. Uh, he got back to just trying to hit the ball with authority and drive it with his natural swing. And he was a dramatically better player. And so this is one of those scenarios where sometimes, you know, the full season statistics are more predictive than the half season statistics is, is the line, but I have to make like a ding button every time you say that. Yeah. When we have, and I feel like I'm not, you know, I feel you guys say it about as often as I do. Yeah. Just at this point, just (laughs) referencing me. It's your calling card though. But, um, you know, when you have that kind of, especially when you have it like explained like that, here is what happened and why, and then it changed. That makes it a lot easier to believe uh, that those changes are going to stick moving forward. Chris found a narrative he can buy into. He's <laughs> buying the narrative. No, I agree. Well, also, I, like, I agree. Ramirez was our, arguably the best player in fantasy in 2018. So it, it's pretty easy to buy into that <laughs> yeah. when he's going 18th overall. Yeah, he was the I, highest scoring hitter in points leagues in 2018. So he's great in right. every format. I actually would take him as the first third baseman off the board in a roto league. Really? You would, you would take him ahead of those others. I, yeah, that's I, how I have it. Right I mean, here. he's, he's obviously the standout base dealer of the group and, and stolen bases are the, the priority category in rotisserie leagues right now. Um, and, and there's a chance he could be a five category guy. I mean, he's been it before, um, you know, you wonder about the batting average with as much as he, uh, pulls the ball and hits it in the air when he's at his best. But, you know, obviously we've learned we'll definitely take that trade off. But I'm with Chris and, and totally buying the narrative for Jose Ramirez because, like, the production just turned on a dime twice. He went from being Mike Trout level almost to a guy who hit barely hit 200 for what was almost yeah. a full calendar year. It was, it was like a the 600 OPS. Yeah. Amazing stretch. I've, I've ever, I've used, I've ever seen now twice in this third base preview, but I, I think I'm being genuine in both cases. It was the most amazing stretch I've ever seen for a star level level player. And when he got it back, it was all the way back. So I think as a mid second round pick, I'm always happy to take him. He might actually be undervalued Jose Ramirez. Quickly with Anthony Rendon, seems like a pretty safe pick in the second round. Again, the ADP is 19.8. Any concern over him moving to the American League? No, I mean, you question whether the power breakthrough last year was real. He he did legitimately hit the ball harder and with more of a power profile. Uh, But it, you know, he had a, at, at around 30 years old, it's kind of late for that sort of breakout. But the thing is, he doesn't, even need to sustain that to be a stud. If he does sustain that, he's probably the best third baseman, you know? He's definitely in that discussion. And if he doesn't, it might be a slight reach with a late second round pick, but you know, that that previous Anthony Rendon would have still been no worse than like a fourth rounder probably. Yeah, it's interesting. He was basically exactly as good. He was 
by Roto scoring, he was slightly better than Alex Bregman. I'm not sure about head-to-head points. They both excel in, in that format as yeah. well. Yeah, R- Rendon's uh, a stud in points league either way. Worth and, worth pointing out. You know, he was, I don't know, maybe a little bit worse than Bregman in 2018, but I think that mostly comes down to Anthony Rendon didn't score as many runs as Alex Bregman in 2018. I think that's most of the gap in their ranking. And so, you know, the fact that you can get him – uh, you know, eight picks later, you know, I think it does make Anthony Rendon a pretty good value. Really, last season, there was basically no difference between Rendon, Arenado, and Bregman. They were three of the top 10 hitters in, fa- in fantasy overall. Yep. Uh, Rendon was just, he took more of a step forward. But I don't know. It seems like there's more, a little more skepticism in his price than with Bregman. When Bregman, his step forward was arguably just as big as Rendon's um and you know Rendon's not in as good of a lineup as Bregman is Rendon uh but the top of that lineup is as good as any in baseball high OBP guy who's going to be batting between Trout and Otani makes a ton of contact batting behind Mike Trout you know 130 RBI season is not out of the question or, well, it isn't with only 60 games. Yes. Uh, that I hear be, what you're that saying. That would be amazing. <laughs> Scott, for Rafael Devers, who's going at the 2-3 turn, how much in a 12-team auction, $260 budget, how much would you spend on Rafael Devers? Well, you could look that up, Frank, and tell me probably more <laughs> accurately than I can come up with the top of my head. I, I think it's I You have him for 31. You have him for 31. I have him for 33. Okay. Yeah. Um Devers is, uh, you could you could make this a tier of five at the top, Bregman, Arenado, R- Ramirez, Rendon, and Devers. I exclude Devers. I put him in a tier by himself because I, I have the most questions about what he did last year. It was so batting average dependent. He hit over 330, I believe. No, he hit 311. Three, okay, 311. So not even as extreme as I thought. Did, did outperform his peripherals, but pretty much any player who hits 300 does. Yeah. Led the league in hits. I, I think... Yeah. Probably the biggest thing that stands out that he's not going to repeat, he scored 129 runs last year with a 361 mm. on-base percentage. Like, you look at the uh, Rendon and Bregman, both scored fewer runs with on-base percentages 50 and 60 points higher. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's one thing that, like, elevated Re- Devers. You look at last year's Roto rankings, Devers was the top one, then it was Rendon, Bregman, and Arenado, but they were 6, 7, 8, and 10 among all players last season. So there was – Basically, no difference, and Devers is a little uh, – he's a lot less proven than those right. guys. Look, I'll just say, if you're getting Rafael Devers in the third round, I think you're doing pretty damn well. So, I'm, I'm a big fan. You're the fan. big Devers guy. I am a fan, and we'll talk about yeah. this with Yohan Moncada, but they made similar changes to their profile last year, mm-hmm. and it was even more dramatic for Devers, uh, where he lowered his strikeout rate from 24.7% in 2018 to just 17% last year while being more aggressive. So, he swang more uh, and swung more at, at – uh, I just said swang. I do that. Sorry. I do that a lot. <laughs> he swung more at pitches out, out of uh, out of – the strike zone and still made more contact and made elite level contact. You're talking about 94th percentile and average exit velocity. So I'm a big fan. I worry a little bit about the splits with the left-handed pitching, but uh, he was better last year than he was in years past. All right. Rounds four and five. This is an interesting group. Chris Bryant going in round four, pick 45. DJ LeMay, spoke a lot about him yesterday on the show. Uh, second base preview. 
pick 57, Manny Machado around pick 57, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., pick 59. Is this officially like the do not draft group? Is this the bus group at the third base position? I don't know that it's, I, I don't know that I'd call them busts myself. It's just, they are the start of a, what, what to me is a very large tier. This is where the bulk of, of all that depth of third base is coming from. So why pay a premium for, for them when, you know, Matt Chapman and Josh Donaldson are going to be out there six, seven rounds later. Uh, that's, that's where I fall with them. I, I do think Chris Bryant is, at the top of this group, most mostly by reputation at this point. Don't draft him. I'll just go, I'll come out and say, just don't draft him. I and actually his, drafted him for the first time just last night. He lasted till the sixth round in a head. Well, that's different. League. But based on so like a fourth him. round price tag, it's just. He yeah. was the, but he was the number fifty player in Roto last season, and I would guess it was pretty close to that in points too. It, it's it's like it's like an underwhelming profile and. And I don't disagree with you. Like I said, Chris Bryant's one of the guys I'm least likely to draft just because it's hard to see with his current approach and his current profile where the upside is here. And that's a weird thing to say for a guy who is, what, three years removed from being the NL MVP? But, but his, his, he has his changed quality a lot of contact since is then. really mediocre. Yes. It's strange. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a guy who was like a Giancarlo Stanton-esque uh prospect as a power hitter he was someone we were you know thinking of as a potential 50 homer guy and he basically hasn't been that at any point in his major league career and at this point you know the quality of contact looks i mean he's one of those guys where the average exit velocity probably doesn't tell the whole story he's 23rd percentile there and 25th percentile in hard hit rate <laughs> that's really bad but he's 64th percentile in barrel rate and you know he doesn't strike out much so there there are there are ways that he overcomes that, and I think the, mm-hmm. the average exit velocity probably undersells him a little bit in the same way that it probably does someone like Mike Trout, you know, who ranked like 150th or something last year. But the point is that raw, that elite plus-plus raw power that he was supposed to have, I don't yeah. know if he just doesn't have it or he has sacrificed it in the name of contact. I think that, that's, that's kind of what it looks like. Because yeah, yeah. if you if you see the way his career has unfolded, the exit velocity readings have gone down. The launch angle's gone down. The strikeout. While the gone strikeout down. rate yeah. has gone way down. Like when he first came yeah. into the league, that was the big concern. Oh, it's like like a Joey Gallo level concern with the strikeouts. And now he's he's you know, for a power hitter, it's it's actually a really good contact rate for Chris Bryant. He had a shoulder injury in there that sidelined him for a long yeah. stretch. And I wonder how much that kind of changed his swing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the expected stats for it, his XBA last year was 246. His XBA the year before, 255. Like he's outperforming his what he's expected to do based on the kind of contact he makes. And I'm not really worried about him falling and to, to the level where he's meeting those expected stats because he's, he's outperformed them for long enough yeah. that I don't worry about that. But that just shows you that I don't know that there's a lot more upside to squeeze out of Chris Bryant at this point. And there's just too many other hitters who are capable of doing what he does. His 35.8% hard contact rate, according to Fangraphs, ranked 109th. That means he was tied with Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, I think the place Chris Chris Bryant. Bryant stands out is he avoids bad contact. You know, he doesn't hit the ball weekly all that often. He doesn't get under it too often. He just kind of... So he's a medium contact leader. It's just it's just kind of... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a lot of like... 
you know, not quite line drives, although he does have a very high line drive rate. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting case. He's not the guy we thought he was. Um, and he's a guy who's hard to get excited about, but you know, a top 50 player in 2019 is a top 50 player, even in this context where, you know, his power at this point is, you know, good, not anything more than that. Yeah. I just don't think he stands out anywhere else either. Like he scores a lot of runs. The RBI are terrible. Yeah. And they were were talking about him leading off. So the RBI is not going to, are not going to be there. He doesn't steal bases. He's not really a standout in home runs anymore. He had 31 home runs last year. So it's, it's fine, but he really just stands out in one category and runs. This is, I think, the most demonstrative of where Bryant's place is at third base and, and how deep the position is, how, how, how replaceable a Bryant-level player is at this position. Because at the top, if you look at head-to-head points per game, at the top you have Rendon 4.3, Bregman 4.22, Arenado 3.78, Devers 3.87. I mean, that's a big drop, it seems like, just from Rendon to Bregman and Devers to Arenado. And yet, it's still they're still distancing themselves from this next group, which... Chris Bryant was 335 last year, right? Max Muncy was 341. Jeff McNeil, 340. Eduardo Escobar, 338. Miguel Sano, 335. Josh Donaldson, 331. Yon Moncada, 323. Suarez, 320. Chapman, 320. Mike Gustak is 317. Like they're, the, they're virtually identical. Over the, the distinction there, I guess, would be most of those guys had something close to a best canary best case scenario season. Um, like, you know, I love y'all Moncada. He's not going to hit 315 again. You know, I, I think, I don't know if Jeff McNeil had a best case scenario season, but it was a really good season. Miguel Sano had his best season. So I guess that's the one place that Chris Bryant stands out is like, there seems like very little volatility in his profile, yeah, but he's someone you that's should fair. I, I don't think I don't think he was far off from his best case scenario if his if his profile holds. I would say I I don't think there's a lot of downside for Bryant, but there's not a lot of upside at this point either. Let's move on from Chris Bryant, Manny Machado. You guys are on record. You are not going to draft him, correct? He has to fall. And he so I think he, he belongs more in the eighty to ninety range. I I've said it before, but I don't think there's that much of a difference between him and Mike Mustakas at this point. Uh, and you'll notice I didn't mention him when I was listing all those out third basemen off that were virtually identical last oh, year. Know. They were, you know, in the 3.2 to 3.3 range. Manny Machado was 2.89. Yeah. And, you know, Roto, <laughs> I think it's closer because he loses something. Well, he doesn't actually lose that much in plate discipline. It's just really his runs in RBI uh, didn't compare. That mainly. lineup's got to be better, too. Like, that's yeah. if the lineup's I expect better. It to be. And he plays a little better, you know, gets that average into the 275 range as, as, you know, and keeps that 35 homer pace. Then you're probably looking at, you know, 100 runs, 100 RBI, in which case the, the profile looks a little better. He's just yeah. another guy who I think there are other guys who have more upside who are going later. Yeah, it, it's very similar to Bryant for me. Like I, I tier him with this group, even though he finished behind them last year. Um, I, you know, I think he, I think he could be a little better than last year, but he he rises to the top of this group mainly because of name value, and I think in terms of expected production, he doesn't deserve it. I expect that lineup to be significantly better. Hopefully, Fernando Tatis can stay healthy. They traded for Tommy Pham. They traded yeah. for Trent Grisham. Will Myers should be in the lineup every day now with the DH. Uh, they just acquired Jorge Mateo. 
huge news there as well. Not really, but you know, the point that I'm getting at is I think that this lineup is going to be much more improved. I am by far and away the, the one who's most likely of, of our group here on the show to draft uh, Manny Machado. Let's not forget top six third baseman in both Roto and points in each of 2015 through 2018, uh, of course, before last year, which was not a great season. I will not defend it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going in the fifth round, just two spots after Manny Machado. Um, the FOMO. I listened to your guys' uh, position preview from back in February uh, for third base last night, and you brought up the word FOMO a lot for Vlad, and I think that's a good way to put it, but is it is FOMO enough of a reason to use a borderline fifth, sixth-round pick on Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Like, if what's his best-case scenario? In one league, if you're only playing in one league, you can't draft Vladimir Guerrero at this price. If, like us, or, you know, like some other people out there, if you play in five, you probably should try to get Vladimir Guerrero on one of your t- rosters. If you play, you know, like us, we're, I, I, I think I'm playing 10 or 11. I do have Vladimir Guerrero in a couple of them. And it, it's because the most likely outcome is he's just a guy at, for, at third base. That's what he was last season. That's probably even a little generous. He was, you know, pretty well below the fantasy replacement level at third base last season. On the other hand, I think he had, like, I think he had eight batted balls of at least 115 miles per hour last season that led baseball. And that was in a, you know, not a full season for him. He dealt with injuries. He wasn't clearly wasn't the guy we thought he was. And he still led ba- Like there's a chance that this is a like Miguel Sano raw power type of player with Anthony Rendon's plate discipline. Like that is, that is ultimately what you're talking about. And when you talk about that, you know, he wasn't that Albert Pujols player we thought he might be last season. But there were glimpses of the skill set, right. even in a disappointing season. Peaks, the peaks and exit velocity really stood out for Vladimir Guerrero. And, it, you know, it's, it was it, the home run derby performance he put on. He didn't technically win, but he should have. He was, he was the star of the home run derby last year. And that showed the raw the kind of raw power that's in there. He just doesn't elevate enough. We saw in his first stint in the majors, but you know, it doesn't strike out a ton. You definitely could see how things go would go very right for Vladimir Guerrero. And I do tier him with this group, but given how, given the alternatives at the position that are, you know, already going to make you, you know, third baseman, one of your more product, most productive positions in your lineup. You can't afford to be the guy who doesn't have a big-time contributor there. And Guerrero wasn't last year. And I, like, he has to be a value for me. I, I don't even necessarily agree with, you know, I want a share of him in one of my leagues. I, I build my teams independently of each other. I just want every time I go into a draft, I want it to, to build the best team I think I possibly can. And Vladimir Guerrero is never a part of that for me because I have to pay the amount of talent I'm giving up to take him is uh, is not worth it. And I understand base case, best case scenario, he could outperform that, but I don't think the best case scenario is even close to the most likely scenario. And that's where it would need to be for the, for the investment. Well, I mean, the best case scenario is a first round player. And like, that's true yeah. for like, yeah, there sure. are he could perform like Rafael that- Devers did last year. And I don't think that would surprise anybody. Right, the Devers, Devers was going in like round 13, 14 versus that's round the difference. five, six. Although that's the difference. Devers probably wasn't going this much later going into 2018. 
you know, no. as, at that same kind of point yeah. in his career. Yeah, in 2018, and, I took him at like the 6-7 turn in one of my leagues. And let's be clear, as good a prospect as Rafael Devers was, Vlad is better. was not Vladimir Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero was, you know, we, we kind of throw the term generational prospect around a lot, and I think it's been applied to uh, Wander Franco this year, and it's been applied to Chris Bryant in the past, and yada, yada, yada. Vladimir Guerrero, his 2018 season in the minors is one of, if not the best hitting seasons you know, we've ever seen from a minor leaguer when you take into account age and level. And so, yeah, you know, I, I called him the best hitter hitting prospect I've ever seen. Yeah. There we go. Three, three I've ever <laughs> seen in this and podcast. So, and so, you know, when, you know, I mentioned Albert Pujols, that's a lofty comparison. Albert Pujols is maybe the greatest right-handed hitter in the history of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the kind of impact you could, like maybe it's more fair to say Nolan Arenado is the kind of impact you could see from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as soon as this year. And, and they, they acknowledged the launch angle. It's not a problem with his swing. You know, what they were talking about coming into spring training was it was more a conditioning problem. You know, you get a lot of your, your power and your ability to lift the ball uh, from having a solid base and a solid foundation. And he was dealing with conditioning issues. You know, there was talk about him having lost weight and being in the best shape of his life. You know, bring the alarm, best shape of his life. But, uh, you know, the upside here is is really as high as potentially anyone at the position. Round six through nine, Yohan Mankata going off the board at pick 69.2. Round seven, Max Muncy, 71.2. Eugenio Suarez, 74.8. In round eight, Jeff McNeil, pick 86. Matt Chapman, 91.4. Josh Donaldson, 93.8. Round nine, Mike Moustakis going off the board at pick 97. Scott, let me know what you think of this. I think that this is a fantastic group to target in head-to-head points leagues, and you kind of were referencing it early on. They all averaged, between this group, 3.2 fantasy points per game and 3.4 fantasy points per game. Why don't you just draft whoever goes last of this group, or if you play in an auction, just kind of price enforce and see whoever's going for the cheapest price and grab that player um, again, this is for head-to-head points leagues. I don't think that anyone here is really going to be much higher or be much worse than what we're expecting. I think they're all kind of in a similar range of projected outcomes. Well, certainly to the if you start with Chris Bryan from that point on the rankings on, which yeah, I mean, but just these to go guys go the for names, even cheaper, so that's why I'm saying like this group yeah. might be the group to target, right? The names in that tier for me are Chris Bryant, DJ LeMahieu, Max Muncy, Eugenio Suarez, Yon Moncada, Manny Machado, Vladimir Guerrero, Jeff McNeil, Matt Chapman, and Josh Donaldson. So Yeah, that's really rounds four huge. through nine. Uh, rounds four through nine in ADP. And the concept of the tiers is you take you try to take the last guy available in a tier. So you wait as long as possible to get equivalent production. So uh, yeah, often it's one of these players. Uh, often it is, and uh, I think I think it's even easier to see them as equivalent in a points league because you don't have to, you know, balance the categorical needs that Yohan Moncada provides with, uh, you know, maybe versus maybe somebody like Max Muncy who will hurt you in batting average, uh, but provide more power and probably more runs. Uh, you don't have to pl- even play that game in a points league. It's just overall production, and there are a lot of great places, plate discipline guys in this group like Muncy 
like uh, I don't even think you mentioned Jeff McNeil as part of this group, but he's a good guy with good plate discipline. So yeah, especially in that format, you just you just take the last of that group, and uh, you know it's very likely going to be one of those few the few names you rattled off. Chris, in this round's six through nine ADP range, who has the highest upside of this group? Um. I tend to go with Yon Mankata. Yeah. Uh, he has, you know, he's always had the tools, you know, not quite a generational prospect, but, you know, he was it's not there, that man. long ago that Yon Mankata was the number one prospect in baseball with a bullet. Uh, the one thing we, we haven't seen from him that he did in the minors, he was an incredibly efficient and effective base stealer at an extremely high level. He was like an 83, 84% success rate guy while attempting you know, 60 to 65 stolen bases per 150 games. You, that's the kind of thing that typically translates into at least 30 steal potential in the majors. And we've seen with the White Sox that they don't necessarily let their, let their guys run as much in the majors as they do in the minors. Uh, we've seen that with him. We've seen that with Tim Anderson. Um, but there was some talk this offseason about, you know, he's dealt with hamstring issues in the past that have kept him from taking advantage of his speed. You know, he's, done some, you know, put in work this off season. That was one of his focuses to, you know, be more flexible and avoid those injuries. Hopefully, you know, if he can be a 25 steel pace guy, I, I think the, the 30 homer power is real. He hits the ball incredibly hard. The quality of contact is off the charts. Uh, and the improvements he made as a, as a contact hitter last year, I think are for real as well. And so, you know, if he can get to be a 25, stolen base pace guy all of a sudden i do think you're talking the, the upside here is similar to what we've seen from trevor story the last few years uh which is a first round caliber player yeah i don't I actually don't disagree with that either i think in roto he has uh far and away the most upside of anybody in this group scott between matt chapman and josh donaldson they're going two picks uh, apart from each other who would you take between those two is it just whoever lasts the longest on the draft board? Because they're well, very similar players. Yeah, and in theory, that's what it is. But of course, when you see only two left in the tier, you you can't expect both probably, to make it back to you. You should probably, you probably take want one. To take, you probably want to take the second to last guy in a tier. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> um, I do rank Chapman ahead because I see less that could go wrong for him. Donaldson uh, it was coming off to, I mean, basically a lost season in 2018. And injuries really impacted him in 2017 too and he's in his mid-30s and there just aren't that many mid-30s or higher guys producing at a high level in the majors right now so uh you know it's a great lineup it could go very right for donaldson but i you know if i've if i've held out this long at third base and knowing the kind of the quality of third baseman everyone else in the league has i i, I more than anything i want to make sure i don't miss so i pr prioritize chapman over donaldson all right, guys, let's take a quick break here. Quickly promote some things that we've got going on. Uh, make sure to sign up for our Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. Go to cbssports.com slash newsletters. You can sign up for all of the CBS Sports newsletters, but specifically for us, the Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. Uh, Chris, you've been doing a great job sending that out. You've been getting our sleepers, breakouts, busts, and we're going to have mock draft review, basically everything that's on the site just emailed right to your inbox. So make sure to sign up for that. And a reminder that you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, but specifically on Spotify. 
We have playlists set up for all of our position previews. You want to go back and listen to the ones Adam did with these guys. You can listen to 2.0 now. Um, we also have a playlist set up for all of our mock draft review that we've done. So again, that is on Spotify, and I think those playlists are quite helpful. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, sleepers, breakouts, and busts at the third base position. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. Third base preview 2.0, sleepers, breakouts, bust. Scott, are you ready to provide us with a sleeper at the third base position? (laughs) I am ready to provide (laughs) you with a sleeper. And this is a crowded position, so I have a lot of ways I could go here, but... Gio Urshela has to be the guy. I mean, he might technically be the third baseman I draft most often, although you're talking about round 16 and beyond at that point. He doesn't deserve to go that late. If if you think he is for sure the Yankees' third baseman and will remain the Yankees' third baseman, even with Miguel Andujar back, defensive difference between the two is so great that it, it makes sense he would be, um, then you can expect... You could expect Urshela to be a relevant contributor in fantasy. And if you buy into the power breakthrough he had last year, which was tied to a swing change he made, basically wasn't using his lower body previously in his swing, was really just focused on making contact until last year. And, uh, you know, he became, he became this, uh, he, he became 21 homers and 442 at bats. He was a solid home run hitter and while maintaining that high level of contact that he showed throughout his career, it gives him one of the best profiles for batting average in all of baseball. His XBA was top 25. It was ahead of Freddie Freeman. It was ahead of Charlie Blackman, two guys that we imagine hitting over 300 consistently. Gio Urshela was there. And because he makes so much contact in a lineup with where he's going to have a lot of high OBP guys in front of him, I think he's going to be a standout in RBI too. So standout in batting average, you don't can't, Expect to find many of those late who won't hurt you in the home run category. Stand out an RBI potentially. Uh, and 
I, I think his role is safe. I mean, there are certainly ways it could go wrong. Maybe it was just a total fluke, even with the swing change narrative there. But price is certainly right for Gio Urshela. Yeah, especially at an ADP of 225.4. So he's going in round 19. He's not going to sink your team. Even if he is not the player he was last year, you could just drop him and it won't really hurt you for where he's going. But the upside is if he comes anywhere close to what he did last year in that Yankees lineup, uh, he really could be a standout here at the position. Chris, what do you think? A sleeper at third base. What do you got? How about a guy who I think could be a kind of poor man's Chris Bryant? And that is Brian Anderson. You know, let's just call him Chris Bryant Anderson. Uh, (laughs) Brian Anderson is not someone that we typically talk a lot about. We've mentioned him a few times uh, over the last month or so, I think. He's not someone that typically gets much respect for fantasy. His ADP is 222.8 right now. And, you know, based on what he did last season, it's not necessarily unfair. Uh, However, you know, he is someone who hits the ball actually reasonably hard, reasonably consistently, 67th percentile on exit velocity. 86th percentile in hard hit rate. Um, So a better quality of contact than you probably think. And, you know, he has shown above average contact skills in the past as well. If he can get, if he can sustain the launch angle improvements he made in 2019 with the strikeout rate that he had in 2018 when he was a 19% guy, you know, it's not that hard to see a 275, 280 average 25 to 30 homers for Brian Anderson, obviously where he f- will fall short uh, in comparison, especially to someone like Chris Bryant. It's just that run production. This Marlins lineup is not nearly as good as, as the Cubs. Uh, but, you know, last season over 155 game pace, he was 25 homers, 151 combined runs in RBI and six stolen bases if the Marlins lineup is a little bit better, it's not that hard to see him getting into that 180 uh, pace range for runs plus RBI. And, you know, I could see him settling in as kind of uh, the new version of Kyle Seager, someone who used to be a pretty reliable fantasy option, never because there was huge upside, but just because it was a safe profile, um, you know, as a low end third baseman or corner infielder. I think Brian Anderson can be that guy. Yeah, I like the call on Brian Anderson. Continues to raise his launch angle and hit more fly balls as well. Something I've referenced a ton the past couple of months is James Rousen has come over from the Minnesota Twins. He was their hitting coach last year, and he was instrumental in them lifting the ball more and pulling the ball more, and he is now the, wait for it, offensive coordinator of the Miami Marlins, Mm. uh, but apparently is going to try and help them uh, raise their their launch angle there in Marlins Park. So uh, if Brian Anderson continues trending that way, uh, I like that call a lot. Scott, breakout at the third base position. Let's say it together on three. One, two, three. J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis. That's right. (laughs) Yes, yes. My single favorite hitter to draft this year. Uh, Dual eligibility, like I mentioned before, outfield as well. Um, here's, here's the simplest way to put it. He hit 307 with an 895 OPS last year and his expected stats say he underachieved. He makes hard contact. He makes it on a line. He hits the ball to all fields. It's a great hitting profile. It was the, 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 the numbers were virtually identical against lefties and righties. So no split concerns. Uh, when he was exposed more in August, got a chance to play every day because of some injuries. He hit 295 with eight home runs and a 951 OPS. Just like any scenario, J.D. Davis did his thing. 
And uh, with the introduction of the DH spot, uh, Todd Frazier being out of the picture, uh, it, it already seemed likely he was going to be in line for every day at bats this year. And the DH spot, I think, clinches it for J.D. Davis. And, you know, this time next year, I think we'll be talking about him as a fourth, fifth round type bat probably. Oof. I like that call there. I wrote about him recently. My breakouts 2.0 now on CBSports.com. I'm with you, Scott. I have him as a breakout as well. You go to his StatCast page. There's a lot of red on that page. When it comes to StatCast, red is good. Chris, a breakout at third base. Who do you have? Uh, I'll go with the guy that you had, Frank, for first base, and that is Miguel Sano, who actually does enter the season with third base eligibility. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think my call is a little better. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Look, there's no, there, in my eyes, there's basically no difference between Miguel Sano and Joey Gallo. Like maybe Joey Gallo steals a handful of bases and, and Miguel Sano won't. But in terms of their profile, in terms of the power production, in terms of how hard they hit the ball, I think they're basically the same guy. If anything, Miguel Sano might actually be a, a little better hitter just because he has been a consistently high Babbitt guy, whereas Joey Gallo has really only done it for one season. Uh, he was on a 50 homer pace last season. He was on a hundred RBI and a hundred run pace. He walks. Uh, the batting average is never going to be helpful, but given the fact that he's, you know, kind of like Yohan Mankata, a, a historical Babbitt guy, I think he's like a 330 or 340 Babbitt for his career. The batting average shouldn't hurt you as much as you think. I don't think there's that much of a difference between Miguel Sano and Joey Gallo, who's going five rounds earlier. I don't think there's that much of a difference between him and Matt Olson who's going like seven rounds earlier than him. I'll throw uh, Pete Alonso in that mix. I mentioned him sure. on the first base preview. I, in a 60-game season, if they both play every game, I don't think that Miguel Sano and Pete Alonso will be that different. Yeah, I, I, Pete Alonso, I think, is a little safer in terms of the batting average. And obviously, the one thing that Miguel Sano does not have is the track record of playing a lot of games. He has struggled a lot with injuries. Uh, last year, I think it was a... I think it was a heel injury that got infected, but he's had, I think, Tommy John surgery in the past. He's yeah. had a whole bunch of issues that have impacted him. But when he's on the field, he is in that discussion for the best power hitters in baseball. Um, and, you know, one of the handful, you know, maybe four, five, maybe six guys that you could realistically say 50 homers is not an unreasonable expectation for a full season. Scott, when it comes to bust at the third base position, let's make this one quick. Who do you have here? Could go with Vladimir Guerrero, but I, I want to focus on Manny Machado here. Oh. Uh, he, as I as I mentioned before, he wouldn't be a bust if he didn't go as high as he does. 59th overall on average. That's 30 picks ahead of Matt Chapman, 34 ahead of Josh Donaldson, uh, 38, I think, ahead of Mike Moustakis, who Chris compares him to. I, I think his expected production comes closer to that group than, than the group he's actually being drafted alongside. And the reason for that is because... Uh, so basically, he broke out as the hitter. We know him now in 2015 for the Orioles. So let's forget about his career before that. First three and a half seasons with the Orioles, he hit the... the I'm sorry, his final three and a half seasons with the Orioles, beginning with that breakout. He hit 285 with 860 OPS overall, but away from Camden Yards, that hitter's park, he hit 268 with a 787 OPS. His numbers since leaving the Orioles, home and away, 261 with an 805 OPS. Basically the same as those away numbers during his time with the Orioles when he was actually great. Um, so 
you know, you look at the hitter profile, not a lot of line drives there, really sells out for the fly ball. It doesn't look like a guy who's going to hit for average. Uh, if he's in a big park, it looks like a low Babbitt profile, very close to Mike Moustakis, actually. And I think that's just who he is now. I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I think he will be a little better than last year because the lineup around him has improved and he may have had a little bit of bad luck with the batting average. But I don't think it was he was extremely unlucky last year. And I think that's closer to the Manny Machado we can expect going forward. Chris, I see a lot of head nodding there. Ditto. All have, of that. You have the same pick? Uh, that. That stat about him away from Camden Yards, you know, I'm, I'm always wary of just holding, uh, just taking home road splits at face value because they're, you know, hitters tend to play better on the road or at home overall. So like, but when you're talking about that extreme of an environment and Camden Yard is one of the best home run environments in baseball, that extreme of a split. And then it carries over first with the Dodgers and now with the Padres. And then the fact that the move from Camden to Petco is you know one of the worst you could possibly make as a power hitter uh i just I, yeah i think he's a low 800s ops bat uh at this point in his career boo 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 scott and chris i'm all right being on an island i'm on an island for jose abreu i'm on an island for manny machado and look if manny machado stinks i can't de- i can't deny it i mean th- there's video evidence you go back and watch me say that i like manny machado and Chris and Scott say that they don't like him. So it's all on record. I will draft Manny Machado this season. These gentlemen will not. Let's get back to ADP rounds 10 through 12. A lot of names here we've already talked about the past couple of days. Eduardo Escobar, Miguel Sano, Yuli Gurriel, Tommy Edmond, and Danny Santana. So I don't think we need to spend much time on these guys. Uh, Let's move on to rounds 13 through 15. Round 13, Justin Turner going off the board at pick 151. Hunter Dozier in round 14 at 168. And then in round 15, you have Scott Kingery at 169 and J.D. Davis, the aforementioned, at 171. Chris, I know that you are a Justin Turner guy. This season seems like it's really catered for Justin Turner because he typically misses so much time. Can he just stay healthy for 60 games? Uh, Maybe. I, I, you know, <laughs> He's not someone we've mentioned as a beneficiary of the DH, but it wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Dodgers slotted him in, in at DH a few times a week to keep him fresh. He's not going to play all 60 games. That's never going to happen. But, you know, if he can give you 50 of the 60 games, Justin Turner's a, a top 10 hitter at this position when he's on the field. You know, he, over the last four or five seasons, he's been pretty close to a top 10 hitter in all of baseball. He's a high contact, high batting average, uh, pretty good power hitter. And so, yeah, it's just when he's on the field. Um it makes it harder to trust him in a weekly lineup league. But, there, you know, if you ask me who's going to be better, Vladimir Guerrero or Justin Turner, I would say the most likely outcome is Justin Turner is a better hitter than Vladimir Guerrero this season. I think it's – I mean, if you were just talking batting line, if you were just talking the quality of the of the hitter when he's on the field, yeah, it's, I, it's I, think, the- I think you put him – he's between Devers and Bryant. You know, when you look at the ADP right now, it, it's really just the injuries and the and the playing time concern. Yeah, and the play the playing time thing is a major thing. The number of healthy yeah. sits Justin Turner had last year. He's he's basically receiving that old guy treatment that Ryan Braun has received the past few years from the Brewers, and the Dodgers certainly have the depth for that. And you know, playing time's half the equation when it comes to fantasy impact. Uh, st- statistically, he was as good as he's always been. He was top ten hitter. Uh, for third for this position even last year, but I can't 
if if I draft Turner to be my one and only third baseman, then yeah, I, you can't done, do that. I yeah, that's you can't afford to do that because it's just I don't think he's going to play consistently enough to hang at a position with that many great options. Scott, who do you want from this group most as a corner infielder in a roto league? Turner, Dozier, Kingery, JD Davis. We know the answer. Oh, it, of course it's JD Davis. But I do like Scott Kingery. I was gonna like, say I, think I, I would being... I want Kingery. I mean, as much as I like JD Davis, and I do, I mean in a roto league, I feel like Scott Kingery is not getting the respect that he should. I don't think he is either, because you he's like the last of the likely 2020 pace guys to go off the board. Like he's, he's in line for more playing time this year than he was last year. And if you just project the numbers out over full-time bats, he's 2020 guys, you know, Danny Santana is the second to last. And there's a big gap between where those two go. So if I need stolen bases still at that point, the draft Scott Kingery is a high priority for me. If I don't though, he's not because like, he's not a great hitter. He's going to hit for power. Cause everybody who's anybody hits 20 home runs these days, but he's probably not going to help in batting average. And, you know, the underlying quality of contact numbers aren't great for Scott Kingery. Round 17 on in ADP, we are looking at names like Ryan McMahon, Brian Anderson, Gio Urshela we talked about, Starlin Castro, Yandy Diaz, Kyle Seeger, Renato Nunez. Does anyone stand out from that group, guys? And is there anyone else that we haven't talked about today that you want to get to here at the third base position a lot of leagues uh, don't have Nunez at this position he's he's first okay. base only okay fantasy um, pros the old trickaroo yeah. have so many players eligible for every position I think of Yahoo that way but I don't yeah. know yeah um yeah uh I don't know who stands out for me other than Urshela who I already highlighted I I like I I get what Chris Chris is always harping on Ryan McMahon and how he's not actually good. And uh, well, that's mean. <laughs> I mean, in terms of quality of contact, I, like in terms of what we actually saw from the batted ball data from McMahon last year, that's true. I think it's, I think it's too early to pass judgment on him, particularly for a guy who has some really, really, really outstanding showings in the minors, and uh, obviously calls Coors Field his home. Uh, you know, he's his political. <laughs> His playing time is more solidified now, and he has second base eligibility. So I, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in Ryan McMahon, but I'm not ready to bury the guy yet. I, I will just say, if it's too early, uh, right now, it will not be too too early by the end of this season, because he's about to be 26 at the end of this season. Uh, we're talking about a guy who plays in Coors Field and has a career 747 OPS. He's got 229 strikeouts and 765 plate appearances. He, he's been a bad hitter in his major league career. That's not to say that he can't be better, um, but given the fact that he's played half his games at Coors Field so far, the results are pretty, pretty mediocre. And it's not like the prospect pedigree is unmissable. You know, he's he is still sort of getting a benefit of the doubt here. And my concern is as much that, you know, he could just lose his job. You know, we talk about this this playing time glut for the Rockies. You know, if this guy can't prove that he's at least an average player and he hasn't been able to do that so far, they've got options. And, um, you know, 199th, like there's no risk. 
like buy him because he hits the ball hard and plays at cores. But you know, the, the, I, I just think there's a decent chance that he's just not a major leaguer. All righty, guys, that'll do it. Third base, the deepest position in fantasy baseball. Even Scott said it. The deepest position he's ever seen in his of all life. Time. Ever. All time. Definitely not a hyperbolic statement by any means. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. I mean <laughs> what do you got, Scott? I said I mean it. He means oh, it. Oh, by the way, Austin Riley. Austin Riley. I didn't get to say a name that we haven't talked about yet. Austin Riley is basically going undrafted, 327 overall ADP. Draft Austin Riley. If Austin Riley's there with your last pick, make Austin Riley your pick. Make him your third to last pick to make sure that he doesn't get to that point. Yeah. Uh, but he's yeah, only he, outfield only right now. Could have saved it for the outfield preview, Chris. Fair. Again, <laughs> fantasy pros uh, throwing us off. The fantasy pros <laughs> trickaroo. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching on the Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel. Happy Canada Day. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.